I'm Ed Gross, and you're listening to CloserWeekly.com's classic TV and film podcast, where we celebrate the golden age of television and movies, then and now. If you're a fan of TV, odds are that you're a fan of sidekicks. You know, the duos who work together, getting into and out of trouble. People like Lucy and Ethel, Fonzie and Richie, Oscar and Felix, Captain James T. Kirk and Mr. Spock. And of course, Ralph Cramden and Ed Norton. Well, today it's Mr. Norton that is the subject of the podcast. Actually, it's the man who played him, Art Carney. Art Carney, alongside Jackie Gleason, provided the comic heart of the Honeymooners. He's also the first actor to play Neil Simon's Felix Unger. He won an Academy Award for Best Actor in 1974 for Harry and Tonto. And he enjoyed an incredibly prolific career in radio long before he entered the Brooklyn, New York sewers as Norton. But there's still so much more to know about him, which is why we've turned to his biographer, Michael Seth Starr. What got you to write the book about art? What made you say, I want to do this biography? I was, I was always uh, a huge fan of the honeymooners, the, you know, the, what we call the classic 39, yep. you know, the ones that you see on TV every night. Yeah. And I always felt that he was sort of an unsung talent, especially uh, in the early days of television. I mean, you know, he had done a show with Maury Amsterdam back in like 1949, I think it was the Maury Amsterdam show, but really came into his own on The Honeymooners. Before I had written the book about Art Carney, I had several years earlier, had read a really good biography of Jackie Gleason, written by a guy named William A. Henry. He's passed away since. He was a Time Magazine writer. Really good. I really enjoyed it. And, you know, in reading that, I just saw how key Art Carney was to, I mean, Jackie Gleason got all the attention. You know, he was always, he was, he was the great one, larger than life, blah, 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 the Jackie Gleason show. And meanwhile, here was Art Carney sort of in a way propping him up. And Art was the one who won all the Emmy awards for the Jackie Gleason show. Gleason never won as far as I I didn't realize that. Okay. Or if he did, he won one, Art won four or five. Right. Um, for the Jackie Gleason show. And although he never really got the acclaim in my mind as one of the superstars of the early days of television, black yeah. and white television. And he was on the Dumont network with, with uh, Marie Amsterdam and then with Gleason. And then when Gleason moved to CBS, he, you know, Art Art was there. And of course, Audrey Meadows and, and Joyce Randolph and everybody else. But Art was really, and if you watch those Honeymooners episodes, today to me they said i have them on dvd and i still watch them they still stand a test of time and a lot of that i think has is has to do with the chemistry between jackie gleason and art carney you know people talk about martin and lewis and abbott and costello i think you have to put gleason and carney right up there with the great comic teams even though it was only in that one well i mean they did the honeymooners obviously before that and after that but for if you're looking at that one particular season, 55 to 56, it's yeah. just there's rarely a bad moment in, in any of those episodes, and, and Art is a big part of that. And he proved himself later on to be quite an actor in his own right. He won an, an Oscar for Harry and Tonto, yeah. which, which sort of came seemed to come out of nowhere, but he was a, he was a good actor, and, and there was always sort of a, of all what I found, even you know him playing a a goofy character like Ed Norton. There was only always a vulnerability there. I mean, Gleason was full of bluster and he was great too. I mean, I love Jackie Gleason too as, right. as Cramden, but, and he, he was vulnerable in his own way, but art just sort of radiated that personal 
he angst. I mean, I, not to get too far into it. I mean, he it was a you know it was a silly character at Norton. He was quite uh, funny and vulnerable at the same time, and and what a foil he was for uh, for Jackie Gleason. You know, when you went into the book, you know, I would imagine you had a certain idea in mind of who Art Carney was. And when you were finished with the book, I'm just wondering, and I know the book was a long time ago, so I don't know if you're going to be able to answer this, but I wonder what sort of you came away with, you know what I mean? Sort of going in with one perspective right. and then coming out with another. A couple of things. First of all, how well liked he was, which, and you've written books and I've written other books, and it, that's usually not always the case. But yeah. I found, I did a lot of interviews for that book and people who are not around anymore and, and uh, you know, to Jack Philbin, who was the producer, I mean, people, you know, because this was a long time ago. But in Maury Amsterdam, I spoke to nobody had a bad word to say about Art Carney, and it was always the same thing: how how much of a nice guy he was, how professional he was. Yet at the same time, how they really never felt they they knew him very well because he was a very private person. Um, and even I remember Al Lewis, who played Grandpa on the Monsters, I interviewed him for the book because he had done a pilot with. They were going to spin off the Jackie Gleason show. They were going to give Norton his own show. Really? I never heard that. Yeah, yeah. And they filmed it. It's in the book. I'm blowing off the dust here in my own mind. They filmed. That was at a time when the when Gleason was shooting his show down in Florida in Miami Beach. And they shot a pilot with Al Lewis, and who was in the pilot with, with Art, as you know, Art as his own, you know, as Ed Norton, but in a different scenario. And, and Art was drunk during the filming of this pilot. He was dropping the script and mm. blowing his lines and... It was one of the few times that he sort of let his guard down. And, and I remember Al Lewis saying he was such a professional, but you know how much pain he had to have been in to, to show up to work drunk. I mean, that's how bad it was at that time. For the most part, it was how professional he was, a nice man, but sort of distant, not in a bad way, but kept to himself a lot. Yeah. You know, back in those days, uh, in, in the I'm going back to the 50s now kind of jumping all around when, when Gleason was doing the show in New York, you know, it was always in the gossip columns, it was always Gleason that took shores and, you know, making a scene and boisterous and buying drinks for everybody and loud and brash. You never read about art doing that kind of stuff, even back when he was a star on honeymooners, because he would go home to his wife and kids in, uh, in Westchester County. You know, he was, it just wasn't his personality to be that kind of brash guy even though he was in that business where you were being beamed in the millions of homes each, each week. Um, he sort of, I think, and I sort of came away with this too. I don't think he regretted his celebrity, but I think he, he was, and maybe in a way he did looking back now, he, he was a, he was a star and he was being written about in newspapers, but he really, that wasn't his personality. He, he sort of, it was happenstance. He ended up on with Jackie Gleason and they were, they became this huge starring team, but he was really a, a shy guy and a bit of a recluse and was an alcoholic, which, yeah. which, you know, which reared its head later in his career several times and short circuited his, you know, he was the original Felix Unger. Oh yeah. Outcome. I want to talk Broadway. about that too. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we can get to that. Yeah. And, and, he had sort of a nervous breakdown shortly into the run of the show, and he had to leave. And, uh, you know, Walter, part of the reason was Walter Matthau, who ended up winning a Tony as, uh, as for that, as, uh, as Oscar Madison. So. 
Now, was that did that affect him that that Walter Matthau won Tony? Yes, Tony? and yes, and that no, I don't, I don't think it affected him to win a Tony. I think acting with Walter Matthau, one of the, well, and I interviewed some people who who were on the sh- who were who did the, sh- the Broadway show with Carney and Matthau, Paul Dooley among them. He's still around. Yeah. He was one of the card players, one of Oscar's pals. Um, and. You know, Art was a was a disciplined performer who would learn his lines, you know, hit the marks, and all that sort of thing. Mathau liked to, um, you know, sort of ham it up and throw in lines that weren't in the script and steal the show, and you know, say things to his on stage to to, to Art on stage that weren't in the script and, uh, and improvise. And Art did not like that. Nor did he like Walter Matthau very much, and I think a sort of combination of he was drinking heavily at that time. The play opened to really good reviews. There was that pressure. He didn't like working with Walter Matthau, and he basically had him sort of a mini nervous breakdown and had to leave, which is a shame because the play went on to a really long run, even with Matthau. I think I think Eddie Bracken replaced yeah, um, he did. Art and. Uh, he committed himself to an into a sanitarium in Connecticut and dried out, I suppose, and got his got his head back in the game and took some time off and then came back on TV with Jackie Gleason the following the following year. Right. You know, I wonder when you hear about the, his personality and the issues he dealt with and stuff. And again, I hadn't heard of this spinoff for Ed Norton, but do you think he? Uh, we're getting to the psychology of a man who's no longer sabotaged with us. it. Do you? Th- yeah. Do you think it was like yes. sort of the? Yeah. Okay. I, I do. I, I do. And I, that's a good question, Ed. And, and I'm glad you brought it up. I do think that. And I think in the book, I, I don't remember exactly, but I think Al Lewis kind of alludes to that, that he sabotaged his own chance at because he didn't want to be the star of the show. Right. Uh, but he went along with the plan to do the spinoff um, for CBS. But yes, I, I, I do think that drinking heavily during the shooting of that pilot if you want to look at it from a psychological angle, yes, self-sabotage yeah. and, um, and and ruining it, but probably deep down glad that he did because then he didn't have to carry a show by himself. Yeah. And I also take ahead. away, lose that chemistry with Gleason. I mean, seriously, whatever exactly. it was. Yeah. Right. Right. Even it's a good point too, because even in the sixties honeymooners, the, the musical ones, the color from, you know, Miami yeah. beach and how sweet it is and all that. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, 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 weren't as good. They no. weren't as funny no, as the ones that the other. But they, those two still had some chemistry. This chemistry was still there. And even when they were, they brought them, uh, Norton and, and Cramden back in the 70s, on e, I think it was on ABC, yep. they did a specials, few specials. Right? Yeah. And Audrey Meadows came back. It, it was still there. I mean, you know, they were obviously older and, and paunchier. And, you know, Gleason had like a bad hair piece and a mustache and everything. <laughs> but, but, you know, you, you could still see the spark between them and then they sort of building on that then they they did that tv movie together izzy and mo yeah gleason took center stage and cagney was in the cast and and there's i think a story in the book about you know they during a press conference for for izzy and mo gleason just you know took over and, and wouldn't let art get a word in edgewise but perhaps that's the way he wanted it you know? Well, he didn't like the spotlight, like you said. So, yeah. And, yeah, and they were not friends off off, really? off air. I think I think they respected each other, uh, but they did not pal around. You know, Art wasn't going to Tuck Shores in the fifties, and he wasn't hanging out with Gleason. He didn't even he didn't even want to go to Miami. 
to do the show, but Gleason and kind of enticed him down there. And there's a story in the book, I think, about how when, when Art arrived uh, in Miami Beach, Gleason had stopped his refrigerator, you know, because he wanted him to feel comfortable because he knew he really didn't want to. He, Art did not like the warm weather. You know, he was a guy who was, you know, from here in New York, liked the cold. Yeah. Kind of match, kind of matches personality, you know, not not the cold part, but sort of gray and yeah, yeah, not not happy and and that sort of thing. So yeah, they they did not they were they were not friends. Um, uh, Art never went over. Gleason never invited him over to his house. They did not spend time together off the air, but it didn't matter because once the lights went on and the TV cameras went on something clicked between those two and uh they were just, it was just magic yeah oh no question about that um yeah. you, you know uh, i'm gonna ask you one more question about that spinoff just because i'm endlessly curious now about that sure uh the fact that al lewis was in it is like it was very intriguing to me as well do you have any idea do you have any memory of what the premise was how they were going to spin norton well, off in his own way i'm i'm gonna i have the book in front of me here i have the book too i can look it up if oh okay it's that. like Sikanda would showcase Ed Norton in his daily routine down in the sewer. Um, Jane Keene, I interviewed her for the book too. Jane Keene, it's all coming back to me now. Uh, She she said that Art had been approached once before. He he turned it down. Um, But he didn't really want to star in this series. And it was produced by Peaksco Productions, which was Gleason's production company. And they shot a pilot in the Miami Auditorium, which would run as the second half of the Jackie, there, there was a, a one-hour Gleason, like the Gleason show, one-hour programming block, and this, had it been picked up, would have run as the second half of F, the half hour of that. Wow. Yeah, um, and the Gleason's writers wrote the the pilot, the Hilliard, Walter Stone, Rod Parker, who were writing for Gleason at the time. Oh yeah, and also uh, Phil Leeds, who was a very well-known character actor, was in it, and Ron Carey, who later went on to play Levitt and Barney Miller, yep. was in it too. I. This is you and me talking. I've forgotten about that. Hey, I'm um, helping you out here. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you are. And, and I, there's a quiet, I, I spoke to Phil Leeds, too. I forgot about that. He said Art fucked it up. He was a brilliant talent. Couldn't remember his lines. Didn't know if it was the booze or the pills. But he didn't – Phil Leeds didn't think Art had confidence enough in his own talent. Yeah. And, um, you know, it just didn't work. And, uh, yeah, so it would have focused on, on Art's life – I guess uh, down in the sewer with Phil Leeds and, and Al Lewis and, and, and Ron Carey playing his buddies yeah. at work. Well, how his good that would have been, but. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, probably not. Very good. <laughs> the world was probably <laughs> a better place. <laughs> yeah. Without the spinoff. Uh, they said, and, and there's even a, uh, and you can, if you want to, for some color for the story, if you want to go back and read about it in the book, apparently um, Art couldn't read. He was so drunk that Ron Carey's character entered with a clipboard in the in the in one scene, uh, so Norton could look at the you know could look at a clipboard, but it was really art. There were really arts lines on the oh, clipboard wow. that he so That's he wouldn't forget. Yeah, wow. <laughs> one time somebody's quoted say people thought when they were watching this being taped, people thought they were in an insane asylum. <laughs> it was like a, nobody was laughing. It was like a giant mural with seventy two hundred people painted in their seats. Wow. That's pretty funny. That's, I forgot that's, about that. That's that's a great description, but that's yeah. not very promising. <laughs> no, no. So yeah, maybe it was all maybe it was for a well or good, but yep. uh, 
but he, you know, he was just not a, he was an alcoholic and, and, and suffered from depression. And even after he won the Oscar, there's a story in the book, I think it was Sheila McRae going to visit him and him sitting in his bathrobe with his Oscar saying like, you know, what am I going to do now? How, you know, how am I ever going to move on from this? And oh, this? And, and yeah. So, you know, it, um, it, the, the alcoholism ran in his family and, um, uh, it, it wasn't, if you consider his family history, you know, maybe not so much of a surprise, but he had it and it plagued him throughout his, his life and throughout his career and started all the way back in, in the early, his, his drinking when he was with the Horace Hyde Orchestra back in the uh, late 30s, early 40s. He was already, you know, belting back a few for breakfast. And, right. and I think he I think he himself admitted that's probably where it's the alcoholism started. Yeah. When you drink alcohol for breakfast, yes. One <laughs> <laughs> yeah. could say that's where it starts. <laughs> right. But I, I, I just, I don't know. To me, to me, it, it, one of the amazing, the amazing things to me was that he won an Oscar and people forget that because they always think of him as Ed Norton and, and right, you know, rightfully so. Right. People think of Shatner as, as, as we know, as Captain Kirk, but but he, but Art was was such a great performer in other ways, and he he was a good dramatic actor, and he did a lot of live dramatic roles on in, live in the fifties on CBS and Playhouse ninety, yeah. and one particular show called Call Me Back, where he played an alcoholic who was waiting for a phone call by one man show, basically got rave reviews. So he was he really for a man who had no uh, classical training, as a, I don't mean Shakespearean, I just mean had no never took an acting class. Right was basically a mimic early in his career, an announcer, and an announcer with Horace Height. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew no, he had no. all this, you know, the people were able to plumb the depths of his acting talent and, and really come out with some, come up with some gems along well, the way. Think about it, though. He also played an alcoholic Santa Claus on the Twilight Zone. Yes, exactly. So it's interesting that tapping Light into his meat. alcoholism in these roles. Right. Right. I, that's a, another good point. Yes. And uh, United the Meek, which is a, one of those classic Twilight Zone. I forgot about that. And uh, uh, yes, an alcoholic Santa who ends up giving, uh, you know, uh, he really, he's, I think he turns out giving a, a presents to the kids. It's <laughs> just like, you know, he's down down on his heels. Yes. And and um, so, yeah. And, and, and I think people also might not realize that uh, I don't know how important this is, but that you know he was a he was a war hero. He he was injured uh, several weeks after D Day in France and uh, was shot in the leg and spent a lot of time in the hospital recovering. One of his legs was shorter than the other, and if you watch him closely, even as Ed Norton, you can see a limp. Um, and that came in handy later on when he was playing characters who were who were. There was a movie called The Late Show. He was in with Lily Tomlin. Great movie where he played an aging private detective named Ira Wells, who was older than Art was at the time, but Art at the time had a hearing aid and he limped and he just, he just looked old, you yeah. know, he was older than he really was kind of like, uh, you know, they aged up Red Fox when he started to play Fred Sanford. So I think, I think, you know, his, his war service and the limp and his hearing, his hearing aid definitely kind of contributed to his acting persona in a weird way. Help them, I think. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, I mean, nobody wants to be injured. Nobody wants to be, you know, deaf or hurt of hearing. But I think uh, people who are casting him in roles and directors and producers used those attributes to tap into his psyche and, and just make him look like the character he was supposed to play. Yeah. 
you know, you put it the thing where like people forget, oh, he won the Oscar for Harry and Tonto and all that stuff. And it's true. It's so funny because, uh, and, and this is kind of why I wanted to do the article. It's like people seem to think that his life began and ended with Ed Norton. Right. And there's so much right. more to it. Right. And I, and I always, a good parallel to me is, is people think of, of Red Fox as Fred Sanford. Mm-hmm. Not knowing, not realizing, perhaps that for twenty, twenty-five years before that, he was a stand-up comic and you know, king of the party records. And I mean, the performers generally don't come out of nowhere. Well, <laughs> you know, of but, course, of course. But uh, uh, people think that that's the case. And and in Art's case, I mean, he hit it big at a time when television was in its infancy and exploding. Well, it was sort of in its infancy, but it was exploding. I mean, right. it was the mid-fifties and. The Gleason Show was a, was a huge uh, show for its time. Massive audience. There were only three networks, as we know, CBS, NBC, ABC, and Art was a fixture on that show, and he was beamed into people's living rooms. And, and yeah, they might probably didn't realize that he was with Horace, the Horace Hyde Orchestra, that he was – his older brother had helped him get into the business. He was a mimic. He was known as a mimic pretty much, and uh, – through happenstance, ended up with with Jackie Gleason to create one of the greatest uh, on screen pairings in in TV history. But yeah, and and quite an actor. I don't I don't even I don't think at that time in the mid fifties that anybody realized the extent of his acting chops. Although we did see, as I mentioned before, he did do a lot of these live dramas in the fifties, and you did see that you did see it there. Yeah, and as you mentioned, the Twilight Zone and the which is a very it's it's a very nice episode. That's one of oh, the yeah. ones that you wistful and melancholic and yeah you know melancholia and he's he's great in that and 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 very believable and um of course you know when you're being written for by rod serling that helps i think i'm pretty sure serling wrote that episode um but uh yeah people just don't realize that there was more to him than goofy ed norton yeah uh, including i think the year he won the oscar he beat out Nicholson and Pacino and uh, some other heavyweights. And no. I think Hollywood was stunned, you yeah. know? but, but they gave it to him because they recognized the talent that was there. And, uh, I think it was a good comeback story at the time. He, he had been through a lot and would continue to go through a lot after that, but he managed to sort of raise himself up in the depths of alcoholism and depression and climb, you know, claw his way back into the business and, show off his talent and won an Oscar for it. Yep. Which is pretty amazing. You know, um, you know, you know, earlier we were talking about the odd couple and again, this is, this is getting a little psychological, but I wonder if art could identify with Felix's depression, his unhappiness, because Felix is pretty much a miserable character uh, through a lot of the odd couple. Right. I mean, the other guys think he's going to kill himself and all that. So yes, I, I, I think there, I think there is some of that in, in there. I mean, it's it's as, you know, de- depressed as a Neil Simon character could get, I suppose. But right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, his wife leaves him, and he and he 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 is contemplating suicide at one point. And uh, yeah, I, I I think he could tap into that. But but I think the I do see that to a point. But I I think the overriding, like even I think even when he was doing the Odd Couple, he was like living in a, by himself in a in a forget the name of the hotel still here on sixth avenue the name of the hotel anyway he was living here in like a room by himself drinking and it's just his his marriage was his marriage was you know going downhill um 
at that time. And it, it was a bunch of things that added up to a recipe of, of nothing good can come of this. And he ended up divorcing his wife, Jean, and then they, he remarried, um, and then divorced his second wife and remarried his first wife. So <laughs> it had a, it had, it had a night who he was with till, till he passed away. It was, it was, it had a nice ending to it. And, uh, I know people also might not realize this is just a, trivia fact and I don't know if you know this or not but the guy in those Geico commercials um, from a several years back with the, the gecko was talking to the guy in the in in, in sitting in an in his office he's got yeah. kind of whitish hair that's our son Brian Carney who was uh became an actor and a voiceover guy himself that's so, funny I, I read that on Wikipedia but I have no idea which commercial that is unfortunately yeah if you yeah. pulled it up on YouTube you yeah, you can you, find you, it. you You'd know. I mean, oh, you'd, okay. you'd go, oh, yeah, you know. That's the guy. There was, there was a series of them for several years. I don't they haven't made them in a while. But, yeah, uh, yeah that, that, his his nephew, Reeve Carney, great nephew, I think, Reeve Carney is an actor. and Talented family. And, yeah, so it's 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 just it's it's a, a nice, I think, a, a nice story. And it's it's a story of somebody who, you know, nobody's perfect, and and he wasn't, and I'm not, and you're not, and he. Hey, I'm just kidding. Hey, hey, he managed, what are you saying? Yeah, he he somehow, you know, with all these demons in his life, managed to carve out an unbelievable career for himself in show business. Um, you know, in those days they didn't have rehab, and they didn't have. He, he would go to a sanitarium in Connecticut. They didn't have Betty Ford Clinic, and right. You know, you always you always wonder now, people like art who were drinking and pill popping and stuff back in those days Sid Caesar was another one you know what would how their careers might have turned out if they had you know been recognized for what it was and be, been sent to rehab and all that kind of thing oh, story yeah. for another day but um yeah but uh, and, uh, and I'm glad that you uh you're interested I, I I think you know he was an underrated performer and mm -hmm. an underrated star in the to me anyway in the in the television yeah. universe. People even even would say, you know, one once Seinfeld hit it big, this the show, how Michael Richards Kramer reminded them of of Norton, you know, coming into the scene and everybody clapping and oh, yeah. yeah, to, I guess so. They yeah. Do, yeah, they used to do that when uh, when you know Norton came into the the apartment. Absolutely, they'd have yeah. to wait till the uh, you know applause died down and, and everything. So I didn't realize until I read part. I, I read part of your book at this point. I'm going to keep going with it, but. I didn't realize that the whole Ed Norton moving his hands and moving things around and driving at Ralph crazy came from his father. Yeah. That's yeah, great. Say, yeah. Like shooting the cuffs. I think they called it like his, he put his, his report card down and his yeah. father would, you know, <laughs> move his hands around with the, the pen and, you know, yeah, that was, that was great that, that, uh, that he, that he was able to use that. And, you know, for when he, when he was writing things for, for, crammed in or playing pool or, or playing the piano in the $99,000 yeah. question. Episode. Oh, that's so great, isn't it? <laughs> God, I love that's those one episodes. of my favorites. Yep. One of my favorites. That one in the, uh, it's when um, Ed tries to teach Ralph the Hucklebuck. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's one of my, that, that scene is one of my, one of my all time favorites. You know what it moment? Just, it's just great, right? No, I was going to say the moment that cracks me up for some reason, such a dumb joke is when they handcuff together on the train. Boomf. In the bumps, yeah, boomf. Yeah. But then when yeah. when Norton goes, "Hey, uh, Ralph, mind if I smoke?" I don't I care don't. if you burn. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's a great line, and and it's all one of my favorites. Is not not really a line for Norton, but when the ninety nine thousand dollar 
question or everyone, you know, who, you know, who was the composer of Swanee River? <laughs> he goes, yeah, I'm an, I'm an, I'm an. Ed Norton. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that's one of my favorites. Oh scenes. my God. It's so good. You know, yeah. you, know we, you mentioned that, that he married Jean, he divorced Jean, he married somebody else. He remarried Jean. Yes. Now I don't know the timeline, but would it coincide with the fact of being lost in his demons and everything? And then he divorces Jean. And then when he cleans up his act, he gets back with Jean. Loosely. Yes. Um, he, he and Jean divorced around the time of the odd couple when he was drinking heavily and right. had the breakdown and left the show. He married a woman named Barbara Isaacs, who was an, uh, associated with David Susskind. I think she, she was a producer of his or something. Anyway, she, she worked for David Susskind Productions. Uh, they were married, and I, I think I'm getting the timeline right. He won the Oscar. He was still married to her, to oh, Barr, his man. second wife. Then yes, he he divorced her, got better, and the story the story I think it's in the book I don't remember goes that he just you know he knocked on his you know, he went back to Connecticut where his wife was knocked on the door and said you know what's for dinner you know <laughs> <laughs> that's the story they tell anyway yeah it's a good and story then, you know, yeah and, they, and then they got and they got they remarried and they lived happily ever after after that but yeah, uh, yeah they were married for for a long time and they had you know, three kids right. and uh, two sons and a daughter and. Uh, you know, he was on the surface living the American dream and on down below, not to get so, you know, dramatic about it, but he was a tortured soul. He was, though. I mean, it's yeah. it's so obvious given a guy who didn't want to be in the spotlight, you chose to be an actor. You know what I mean? Or a performer? Exactly. It, it reminds me of like, you know, because I've read a lot of books about Richard Nixon. I don't know why, but okay. he, he's, he just has his his personality interests me. Yeah. A guy who, who hated people and couldn't look anybody in the eye and hated politics, yet went into politics right. where he had to shake people's hands and talk to them. <laughs> right. Hated small talk. You know, I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, and here he was large sort of by accident, I guess, thrust into the spotlight, so to speak, and had to sustain that. Yeah. And uh, it's it's an interesting story, I think. And, uh, and, and people if they're not aware of art and his contribution to TV, for the most part, television, a couple of movies, uh, should really, you know, run out and buy, <laughs> Your buy book. His, well, well, his, my book, but, but, you know, his, the honeymooners and, and, yeah. you know, start, start watching that. And, and if you, you know, live television and all this kind of stuff. So it's great. And then the twilight zone, he was also on Batman as the archer. That's right. Yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah, and he was on an episode of. He did a lot of those classic. He was on Alfred Hitchcock presents, uh, The Twilight Zone, uh, Batman. Um, he made a pilot for another series, which he wasn't drinking. I don't. He wasn't drunk on that one. Called the Snoop Sisters. Oh, okay. With uh, yeah, Ellen uh, Hayes the, and uh, yes, Mildred Natwick. I think it was in the early okay. in the early seventies. Right. Uh, they just it, they made the pilot. wasn't picked up, but not for any particular re you know reason on his part but right um yeah you know rubbed shoulders with celebrities and was was a was a big star in his time Absolutely. and um it, it's funny because you know now you know we, we have stars today but it's it, it's it's easier quote unquote to be a star today because there's so much more out there i mean i'm you not saying anything think of being famous and you become famous <laughs> right exactly yeah. you know kardashians or yeah. you know, there's even you know well fame i guess is it's you have to you know, I guess how famous you could be, but as far as television goes, look how much, you know, look, it's, it's mind boggling how much 
content is out there oh now. Oh my God, it's crazy. You know, the cable and streaming and, and the broadcast networks and, plat, you know, mobile viewing and blah, blah, blah. The reality can, people who think they're stars, they're not. <laughs> you're right, right. I mean, you know, one time, you know, they I saw the other day that Rudy Bosch passed away, the guy from Survivor the first season, you know. They were still that season one. They were like big celebrities. And yeah. 40 million view. You know, now it's, you know, it's 5 million viewers tuning in and nobody oh, yeah. really cares anymore. Well, that's TV but, in general, though. The audience is down yeah. to nothing, you know. But at the at the time, you know, of if you go back to the 50s and Jackie Gleason and Red Skelton and Ed Sullivan and Lucy. Jack and, Benny. I mean, Jack Benny. Yeah. I mean, these were people who were who were uh, Perry Como. I mean, mm-hmm. just like. Because there was it was such a new medium, and there was only you know the three really that I mean ABC was around I think, but it wasn't right. as big as it would become. You know, you really CBS and NBC. <laughs> it was, you know, one of them yeah. was tough to get on the air, and you had to get sponsors and whole different ball games. So I think it was a bigger deal if you ask me to be as to be a quote unquote star back then than yeah. it is today. But I agree with you. you know. Yeah, absolutely. I sound like that. I sound like the old, you know, get off my lawn. Get off my kid. lawn, kid, you kids. You That's don't know right. what it's like. But I'm on the chair Back next to you head. saying the same thing, so don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, uh... But he was, yeah. And I, I, just one more thing. I, I was surprised when I, I remember being surprised when I went to do the book. And this was before the internet. And, you know, I was like doing, going to the library and looking at microfilm. And art was written. There were a lot of, he was a pretty, visible in the media he was being written about a lot put it that way and magazine profiles and tv guide and newspaper profiles and because that show was for its time was a big deal yeah you know i think it was less of a big deal in the 60s when you know tv was a decade older and there was a lot of other stuff going on but it became a big deal again though because of reruns i mean exactly huge exactly yeah and uh Kind of like we'll talk about some other time, Star Trek. I mean, you know, the first three seasons, nobody was watching, and then oh, no. boom. Yep, syndication. syndication. Syndication made the difference. Yep. For that, uh, for that thing. Um, you know, one, one carny thing, too, I just want to ask is, is there was uh, somebody mentioned to me that he was approached to do the Odd Couple movie and then the Odd Couple series. Did you ever hear that? He was, I believe the story is that they couldn't get, he, he wasn't insurable for the movie. Okay. Um, I'd have to double check that, but I'm pretty. Uh, if memory serves, like, so they went with Jack Lemon. Right. I didn't hear. I don't. I'm not familiar with the story about the the, the show, the okay. Odd Couple show. Um, I'd have to, you know, uh, off the top of my head, I don't know that one. I that one. I don't think I. I've heard. Yeah. But your one story I did hear was that he was just they couldn't get insurance for him ah for the movie and, and yeah and you know let's face it he probably didn't want to take the gamble anyway because he wasn't reliable in that sense I yeah. mean or around that time anyway the, and uh, plus the Matthew had, again so you know <laughs> who knows yeah <laughs> you know what yeah I mean? Right, exactly you know. and they did act together in another movie called House Calls I think it was called where oh, that's they right. were yeah. Carney play like a hospital like a sort of a dithering head of a hospital and Matthau was, was, was there. And they, they seemed okay there as I didn't hear anything when I was doing the book about any, any, you know, fights or anything, but yeah. you know, our, our, art was not a confrontational sort. I mean, Jackie Gleason was, Carney was not. <laughs> Jackie Gleason. Yes. <laughs> There's a story in the book where, I mean, Gleason, she was an asshole. There was a story where they, when they were doing that, Izzy and Mo, um, I think it was Izzy and Mo, and one of the actresses who was playing, 
Jackie Gleason's daughter in the in this in the movie, you know, knocked on his dressing, knocked on his van door to say hello, and he he looks her up and down and says, "Who the fuck are you?" Ugh. It's like really, she's quoted in the book saying that. <laughs> what a he, he, he just he was another. He was he was. I think he was just like a miserable human being. But yeah. If you ever get a chance and you want to read the, the, the book, real I think is really good. It's called The Great One, Jackie Gleason, by William A. Henry. It doesn't pony punches. I mean, you know, it lauds him for his good work and points out all his. Oh, good. Yeah, I'll definitely his, check that out. Yeah. His faults. It's 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 you know yeah you know, secondhand copy. It's it had been out of circulation for a while, but okay. Yeah, one. that's yeah. really what inspired me to do the Carney book. I was like, wow. Well, Art Carney was so instrumental. How come nobody's writing about him? R. Carney, his legacy. Let me lend with that. I meant to ask that before. How do you view his legacy? I think Art's legacy is as one of the premier TV comic geniuses, and 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 as one of the people who who, who performers who in the, in the early days of television helped the medium establish itself, uh, and and I think a lot of comedians and performers owe a debt. To him, uh, to the way he performed, and 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 uh, and his he, his his movements on stage, and and his his dramatic chops. I mean, it was it's hard. I just think he's he's an underappreciated performer in in the pantheon of of show business. When you when you talk about, especially early television, and people always talk about, you know, and rightfully so, Lucille Ball and and and, and Ed Sullivan, maybe you know Jackie Gleason. But they rarely mention Art Carney's name, and he was such an integral part of that world. Uh, and later on, as an Oscar-winning actor, that he's underappreciated. And uh, I think his legacy is much more than that. And the people who fans of Seinfeld and they see, you know, Michael Richards as Kramer, he owes a lot to uh, to uh, Ed Norton, the Ed Norton character, of course. You know, I'm going on longer than you probably want. I mean, no, you know, it's good. It's good. The, the the part, you know, obviously he had writers, great writers who were writing the honeymooners and then, you know, uh, Marvin Marks and, and, and Leonard Stern and guys like that. But you can only do so much with the printed word. You have to inject a big part of yourself into whatever role you're taking on. And Art was the master at that. Not only as Ed Norton, but in dramatic roles, and as we saw in Harry and Tonto, as an old man when he wasn't even really an old man. I think yeah. he, he was like twenty years older in the movie than he really was in real life. And just and 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 just an all around respected, nice guy, um, who never said a bad word about anybody, at least in print, and never had any show business uh, fights with anybody was respected, was well-liked, and just a giant of television uh, and should not be forgotten when people talk about uh, how impactful television is. They, they need to look back, I think, at, at that era, the mid-50s, when we were talking about the Honeymooners and, and how important Art and Jackie Gleason were to uh, establishing it as, a, as what it is today. Hey, Ralphie boy, why not subscribe to the podcast? Tell your friends in the sewer about it and give it a five-star review. If you do, I promise not to try that impersonation again. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.